a one, a two, a one, two, three, four, five. Goodbye, Stephen, my old friend. Oh, I like that. You've gone and met the sandy end. Oh, yeah. Because you fell over the side of a ship. Oh. Headed to the afterlife while driven by a hip. Oh. And the visions that were dancing in Mark's brain drove him insane. Now he's the fist of Conchu. unlistenable. Hello pod, I'm Chris Hewitt and welcome to this week's spoiler special dedicated to the new Disney Plus, well, soon to be old, Disney Plus MCU show, Moon Knight. This is episode five. It is simply called... Hippos. (laughs) Hippos. Hungry, hungry hippos. Uh, What is it called? Asylum. It's called Asylum. The Sound of Asylum. The Sound of Asylum. Oh, damn it. <laughs> we got to do it again. No. Got to do it again. Kidding. We didn't say sign your silence. Press on. Yeah, this Press is on. This is, this is, oh, that, uh, that would have worked. Damn it. Anyway, damn it. Damn it. We'll move on. Uh, this episode is called Asylum. It is uh, directed by Mohamed Diab, and it's written by Rebecca Kirsch and Matthew Orton. And this is a weird old episode, folks. Um, I have to say we're recording this earlier than we normally record it. Uh, and I have only had a chance to watch this episode once. And I didn't watch it in the most opportune of circumstances, shall we say. I was watched it partially on a bus, partially on a tube, uh, partially on a boat, <laughs> driven by a hippo, and then partially here at, at Empire Towers. As Dr. Seuss intended. As Dr. Seuss intended, indeed. Uh, and so I'm still trying to get my head around everything that happened in this episode. Luckily, luckily, I have three conchu colleagues of such lethal cunning here to help me get my head around it. We're joined, of course, by Helen O'Hara. Hello. Ben Travis. Hello. And James Dyer. Welcome, gentle travellers, to the world of the Empire podcast. <laughs> we're not in the realm of duets, we're in the realm of twats. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's true. <laughs> so, what the hell just happened mm. in this episode? Well, I watched this at home, on my sofa, on the big TV, and oh, it was great. Just off, ben. Yeah. But I still am in that sense, as you are, Chris, of I don't know what the fuck just happened for the last 45 minutes, but I felt many things mm. 
lots of emotions. Mm. Um, and uh, this episode crushed my heart a bit. Mm. Is everyone else feeling a bit well, wounded? Well, I felt the overwhelming urge to stop off at one of Camden's many fine tattoo parlours and get kill the hippo, steal the boat, <laughs> tattooed somewhere on my body. That uh, is your I'm not ruling it out MO. at this point. <laughs> yeah. well, in, a, in a sort of memento yeah. kind of way. Yeah. That if you if you lose your memory and go to fuse state, hippo, you wake up and you go, steal kill the, the hippo, steal the boat written on you. Go, what the <laughs> hell does that mean? Is James <laughs> Stephen? No, is James Mark and I'm Stephen. No, I think James is... That, is that actually would explain a lot. <laughs> ben is the personality that I manifest, manifest when I can't deal with you, Bellens. <laughs> I think James is almost certainly the third personality the, well, the psychopathic cab driver okay but <laughs> are we still on the third personality train i think we are yes I think we are. yeah really yeah. i was for really surprised season, for this season for this season yeah yeah you think the third personality is showing up this season because i'm beginning to doubt that very much well there's a lot of stuff i mean you know we'll obviously talk about this episode and we're we're now we're going to be looking ahead to episode six uh which is the final episode next week's right. season finale of moon Knight, and I don't know. Does this feel like this has even more heavy lifting to do going into oh episode God, yes. six so than much. any of the previous MCU shows? <laughs> yeah. It needs to be three hours long. It really does. And it won't be. It'll, no. we'll, we'll get on next week. It'll be 50 minutes max, I yeah. would guess. Because really, this episode, I don't think, if it was such a character episode mm-hmm. plot-wise, it I didn't really move that. anything yeah. forward. Yeah. Which, yeah, I, I loved. I really felt the the... The depth and the time that we got to spend with both Mark and Stephen here was an incredible thing. But yeah, when it when it ended, I was like, we are no closer to mm. the sort of end of the show than we were 45 but, minutes ago. But you can totally understand now when Oscar Isaac says that Feige showed him the scripts for one oh, yeah. and five. five. You totally get now why he bought into this because yeah. it's amazing. Because if he's shown the script yeah. for episode three, he would have done it. Wanted. He'd quit the show immediately. <laughs> but like, it's so much happens in this. And it's, I mean, look, we get, uh, there's a certain contingent of people on the internet who like to poo poo these Marvel shows for being, you know, childish and comic booky. But just the way this dealt with trauma and childhood abuse and all that stuff, like, I, like all the feels, yeah. like it hits mm-hmm. quite hard and and I can't emphasize this enough it features a talking hippo so you know it's a broad church really it's something for everyone <laughs> it's better than broad church it is better say. than broad church better, yeah. Yeah. broad church was pretty good I'm just yeah, going to say too, too, too few church. talking hippos I'm saying Towerette does not make it a, well then maybe that's a spoiler for the end of broad church and yeah you never know I don't think it is can I say Towerette's ears might have been the oh. MVP of this particular episode I love the flat that when she gets all flappy literally her ears start twitching in the way that hippos do and it's, yeah. it's glorious loved Towerette uh, we'll talk about Tarawet uh, soon, but that's 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 work backwards uh, from the heavy lifting it has to do now for episode six to the end and yeah. what we think has happened to Stephen, and then we can get into the the other stuff. So I, I have a question actually, okay, just just on that line. So the Stephen thing. So so obviously he takes the name Stephen Grant from the poster, which is the indie sub indie diet tomb indie. buster, yeah, yeah, yeah Poundland indie. Uh, but that sort of almost indicates that he's manifested the Stephen personality as a way of dealing with the abuse because Stephen is not afraid of anything because that's well Stephen that's hasn't been abused. Well, that's that's the interesting thing because initially I saw that as like Stephen has no fear. But it's not that Stephen faces the abuse. It's that Stephen is the character Protected that he retreats from. to yeah. when the abuse goes away. So Stephen lives the happy life and Mark deals with all the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Although doesn't deal with it. Is actually or doesn't deal with the shit. Yeah. But he faces the shit and then Stephen lives a normal life. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because both of them freak out yeah. at points in this episode and then the other one usually steps in. But like when Stephen freaks out, like completely loses it, 
I, I find this really interesting. I'm still not. I'm still not sure. I've got my head around it, and I've watched it twice. But so, how? How did you find the time? Eight o'clock and nine o'clock. Explain these concepts to me. <laughs> there are two so, doors in Helen's mind. One contains this episode. The other contains the podcast. So, when Mark freaks out, he finds himself back in the psychiatrist's office, mm. and Harrow does seem to be playing a role as an actual psychiatrist in this episode, as an actual counsellor, but one that neither of them can accept fully. Yeah. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. Like, he does turn to an aspect of that guy who is calm, who is a control, who is everything that neither Mark nor Steve is. Terrible psychiatrist, though. Who yeah, keeps I mean, a glass spike on their desk? Yeah, that's, that's bad going. And there were a couple of things I'm pretty sure, like, I haven't been in therapy, but I feel like that's not what you say. Anyway, um, but it's interesting that that's the manifestation, presumably, that they they both turn to. Mm. And both of them, mm. when they have a freak out, they find themselves back in that office. And the episode kind of resets a couple of times and then steps back into the adventure with Tarot in the afterlife. And so it's a really interesting switch, the way the switch between the two, but neither of them can fully deal with their reality. And I mm. think that's interesting. It's not just that Mark is unable to deal with the the abuse and the trauma and the loss that he suffered and the guilt that he feels. Stephen can't quite process it either when he has to face up to it. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. It's not quite as simple as one character is doing what the other can't. Mm. I think what, what you do see in this in this episode is the two of them coming together somewhat. I think that's what's what we see, Mark uh, Stephen realizing that if if Mark can do something, he can probably physically yeah. do it as well. So That's, they're breaking down the boundaries. So they are breaking down the, the boundaries and, and maybe bringing themselves a little bit closer. And I love that moment where Mark is trying to stop Stephen from experiencing what happens because yes. that's so core to who Stephen is that he doesn't know what happens in that yeah. room. And that bit with the bell, I would say, is the darkest thing I think I've seen in the entire MCU yeah. thus far. Like that is fucked up. I, mean, I thought it was going down the route of he killed his mum as a kid. I thought he was going to. I thought Whoa. he was going to. You went to an even darker no, well, place. Because I thought, I thought, I thought it was one of those situations where he, we see that's the moment where he forms the Stephen personality, mm. and then I thought we, we, be, we begin to see the the fugue state that he has entered previously uh, in the show, and he had all these pencils and things around, all these sharp implements, and I, I thought for a second that he, we were going to see the third personality. Be formed wow. in that moment as well. Wow. Uh, Stephen would not be able to process what, what was happening, and then in that moment, a third, more psychotic personality would be formed. I even thought there are moments in the episode that Stephen was going to be revealed as the third personality. That, that there were uh, that there were things that he was doing that he that were so heinous that he blocked himself off from the memory of doing them. Mm. Um, well, he kind of did, but it was his brother. Yeah, the one he's least responsible for. Arguably. Yeah. I, well, I guess, yeah, but I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I mean, more in terms of like when he's in, in moments of great stress mm. that he, there is, there is something, there is something there, another personality maybe that lashes out. We did see that sarcophagus last week, the one yeah. that was still, yeah, I know, we you know rumbling. Yeah. I just, I feel like that's a season two at this point. You think? Is yeah. there, is there, is there a season two? I mean, I don't know. Well, Oscar Isaac but, yeah. said he's, a, he, he signed up for just one, just one, yeah. one and done. But then he would say that anyway, regardless. Yeah, of yeah but yeah, well, maybe. maybe. I mean, he doesn't have to. You know, I don't, what, what I don't think he is, what I think he means by that is that he's not bound to this, hmm. you know, nine picture deal that Sam Jackson was, or Ruffalo signed over a bunch, or Hemsworth. You know, or whenever they signed on, they signed on for six movies. Evans signed hmm. on for six movies, that sort of thing. I don't think he signed on for that. Hmm. So because he's going to very much suck it and see. The last time we were in this place, where we were at the end of episode five, and we were like, I don't understand how they can possibly wrap that. Was Loki, wasn't it? And the answer, of course, was they're not going to. So. 
Perhaps you're right. Like in, perhaps, in what way? Well, in that the, we thought there's no way they can finish the whole Loki storyline in that final episode. And they didn't. And they didn't. So yeah. that may be yeah. exactly, as you say, this may be where we are again, where we'll get the end of episode six and it'll be like, wait for season two. I mean, if you leave out the third personality of your calculations for what needs to happen in episode six, it does become a lot easier. I mean, a bit easier. They still need to free Conchu, deal with Arthur Harrow. Yeah. And Pick the glass out of his feet. Yeah. And, you know, be resurrected. Yeah, praise It's quite a lot. Um, I, yeah, I, I do feel like this episode, and I love this episode, but my worry, my big worry for this, and it's not a small worry, is if that's the end of Stephen, this is very much a Stephen dies, we riot. Like, I, I, <laughs> I feel like I might go off this show in a big way because if part, it's now just Mark. It felt like part of what they did here, as you say, was breaking down the boundaries between them and giving mm, us a yeah. sort of hybrid of both, that yeah. there is more now of Stephen within Mark, of the yeah. kind of nice guy, the affable guy, and then it, just before his heroic moment, Stephen... When he goes full Negan. Went full <laughs> Mark. He, like, snapped and was like, oh, if you can do it, I can do it. And I think that will maybe go the opposite way as well, which does make me worried that Stephen is not coming back. Oh, not don't say Stephen it. Don't say it. We've seen for these few episodes. I just, I just, especially after just the magnificent things, like he really just, the little things like, you're having a laugh, you know, and he's, don't do that, just that, just the way you, and he was like, um, uh, he's, he's, what an absolute muppet was like, don't bother her when he's talking about his mother. Mm-hmm. I just, every, even the little pronunciations were so spot on. I can't, I cannot exist in a world where Stephen Grant is no longer here. I, I can't, d- I, I won't. D- I hope, I hope we don't have to worry about that, but I, I'm still unpacking the metaphor of that whole thing. So Stephen appeared to, in the in terms of the Egyptian afterlife, Stephen appeared to die and Mark appeared to go to heaven, which is exactly the opposite of what you would expect to happen. Yeah. But it maybe makes more sense if you consider them somehow put back together to some degree. Mm. Balanced and that's out why it's between balanced. them, and yeah, that's why two it's hearts, balanced. Two hearts, two become one, Helen. Two become one, if yeah. you will. Um, yeah, the Spice Girls. Uh, in they this knew is, so in so much. many ways. So he but, needs but, some love, like he's never needed love before. That's exactly right. Although, Gotta make love to your baby. Steady. <laughs> it goes off the rails there, in doesn't a, in it? In a manner of speaking, <laughs> it's okay. a metaphor. Is it more Phil Collins? Two hearts beating. There we go. There we go. Just, Just one mind. Phil knew. I got to say, if I died and heaven turned out to be a field of wheat. I'd be pretty fucked off. But James, heaven is a place on earth. <laughs> it's very true. If it's you, very true. I felt I went a bit gladiator there. I could I, do it. I was about that. to say you yeah. would go full Maximus Decimus Meridius. Oh, 100%. In I'd be like, wheat. Fuck this shit. <laughs> like, no, absolutely well, not. Yeah, I, I, do, I, I think there's. I feel like, you feel like Theresa May, just like frolicking through the fields. I just no. <laughs> I, I, I just, don't know. I see. That's one of the reasons when Ben was talking about he felt devastated at the end at the end of the episode. And I, I again, the viewing conditions for me were not ideal this week. Um, so it was. I watched it in such a piecemeal fashion. Like literally, I watched ten minutes on the bus, fifteen minutes in the tube. Then it was like an hour and a half's break before I could watch the rest of the episode. So I, I don't think I have experienced the episode the way that Jeremy Slater and Mohammed Diab <laughs> and all the people at Marvel would have intended. So it didn't impact me emotionally. Uh, in the way that it, it impacted you, but also because there was a part of me thinking that can't be it for Stephen. Yeah, I, I will say it was more the middle of the episode that really got me when it oh, was I going see. into yeah. all the yeah, flashbacky yeah. stuff. At the end, there was that level of no, Stephen, no. But also, are you gone? But maybe you are gone. Also, what's happening? I, th- that was mixed in. I still felt that emotional punch at the end, but it was mixed yeah. in with a lot of questions. Whereas it was the middle of the episode, going into all the different rooms and the the cave yeah. and the bedroom, and before all that was like fields oh, of God. gold. Yeah. All right, Sting. It's a. Um, it, it's a. Yeah. It's interesting. If this is 
just from a mental health point of view, mm. you know, can you remove a personality? I don't think they'd be that glib. Yeah, but I think that, there's, there's it, an I don't element. Feel they will of, go there. I think there is an element of working through the trauma that led mm. to the and unification separation. rather than yeah. severance. I don't. I don't think it's. I don't think it's. They're going to be. Like I said, I don't think they're going to be that glib about the personalities, and I don't think we've seen the last of Stephen because he's too vivid. Also, the best um, thing in the show, and also the best thing in the but show. But wonder whether but they I, knew that when they wrote it. So, um, but also, I don't think that Mark is boring anymore. I think there there is so much more texture to Mark in this episode. You see his protective instinct. You see his fear. You see his trauma. You see um, the fact that even in his worst moments, he's trying to protect Stephen from all of that. That yeah. makes him a much more interesting kind of badass killer. But than I don't love before. him the way I love Stephen. I, I mean, I'm not sure that I care. You know, like <laughs> you know, you love Thanos. So what do you know? You don't love Stephen. You I are did. heartless. I, did. I didn't say that. Where did I say that? Heartless. I said I don't care that you don't love Mark. Well. <laughs> My point is, I just think I don't think we've seen the, the last of Stephen. My my one slight worry because I think they have generally done quite a good job with this episode of the sensitivities around the the DID stuff. I did wonder sometimes about that tonal balance between like, hey, let's talk about like childhood abuse and that impact of that on mental health, mm-hmm. and then also here's the talking hippo stuff on a ship through yeah. the afterlife. I feel slightly wary of like, hey. He died and his soul was unbalanced when he had more than one personality. Feels like it has to be wrapped up in some I, in yeah. some kind of adventure like metaphysical stuff. But that is a slightly tricky line, I think. To, I'm not mm. sure that's what made his soul unbalanced. I don't think it's the different personalities that make his soul unbalanced. I think it's the 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 things that they're hiding from each other maybe that make the soul unbalanced. I mean, and I thought it was really interesting the the scene with Harrow and Stephen in the psychiatrist's office, where um, he's trying to call his mum or he's threat he's kind of calling his bluff and he's threatening to call his mum. And Stephen knows mm. at that point, mm. and and he and he's absolutely frantic to stop it happening because he doesn't want to deal with the knowledge. And oh, I yeah. think so. He's terrific. Both he? he's amazing yeah. in that scene. Yeah. But both of them are trying to hide knowledge from themselves or himself and i think that's the imbalance i I don't like to think that it's you know mental illness as a whole i've uh, i've received an email just before we started recording this podcast uh from a pr who i will not name uh but it was moon Knight criticism keanu reeves voted as having worst british accent on screen and it was hi there chris in light of the widespread criticism moon Knight actor oscar isaac has received due to his poor british accent in this series uh, and then they basically they've given us a list of bad British accents on on screen, and it's like okay, well, uh, sorry, when should that criticism stopped once people heard the accents in context and saw the 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 performance in no context? Criticism. Yeah, uh, it's it's email. an incredible performance, and I would go so far as to say it's one of the great dual performances uh, of 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 the modern era, certainly for the last, you know, going back to his, uh, Jeremy Irons and Dead Ringers and obviously Jean-Claude Van Damme and Double Impact. Of course. There, there were so many parts of this episode. Obviously, each personality, Stephen and Mark, they get their moments to shine. They get their individual scenes. But I, there was a moment halfway through the episode where you had a bunch of them together in the, the duet asylum mm. sort of environment with both those characters together running around talking to each other doing actiony stuff running in and out of doors going in and out of other places and i just forgot that was two oscar isaacs who couldn't possibly be sharing the same space like the the level of technicality within that of Mm -hmm. there was not an eyeline out of place there wasn't like oh that's clearly a bit of a double 
I was just immersed in that whole thing and not questioning for a second until yeah. my brain remembered that is Oscar Isaac twice, <laughs> oh, <laughs> unless I, he has a secret twin. That's oh, it's, not it's, it's amazing. I mean, technically, it's, it's, it's great work. The only thing that took me out of it was the punch. Because, you, you know, where, where Stephen punches Mark, you don't really, edit. it feels like a dodgy edit. You don't really feel the punch land. Maybe it's not meant to land. Maybe it's a metaphysical punch. Who knows? But in, in terms of, there's a, there's a sequence where he goes to, um, where uh, Stephen, we see the memory of Stephen, it is Stephen, isn't it? Who goes to his mum's Shiva and can't. No, is Mark, it Mark goes. Mark. And then Mark. And then Stephen takes over and makes Stephen takes over. Okay, so it's Mark outside the, the, the Shiva. Then he turns into Stephen. Then yeah. we see Mark watching that memory of Marcus Stephen. And then Stephen turns up and watching. also watches the memory. So you have three different Oscar Isaacs running around. So you can clearly see, going back to this thing about Feige showed Oscar Isaac the script for episode one. Uh-huh, yeah, pretty good, interesting. Mm-hmm, I can do something with that British accent. I'll probably, I'll probably do a British accent. But, you know, a bit of Carl Pilkington, a bit of, um, bit of uh, Russell Kane. Yeah, I'll do that. Then episode five, fuck, this is an acting showcase. I'll really get the, you know, show show off basically here. It's great. And, and at the same time, it didn't just feel like an acting yeah. showcase. No. It felt so in service of, of the characters and of the show. I thought they did quite a, a good sneaky job of basically just doing a flashback episode, but wrapping it in the sort of trappings that you kind of don't realise that <laughs> until halfway through. Well, WandaVision did the same thing. Mm. Yeah, but it was out of the video point. cassettes yeah. of the With, yeah. old sitcoms and stuff. Yeah. With Agatha showing Wanda all the stuff that happened to her in, in her life. Yeah. So maybe this is the uh, this is the scene because you know you, you know James would know obviously as the host of the remind me again pilot TV podcast pilot TV yes. podcast. Uh, so you know you'll know your, your your TV tropes and you know it tends to be the penultimate episodes tend to be not always but tend to be when big deaths happen. Hmm. Um, you could argue that's happened here to an extent, but what the Marvel shows he'd be doing this he'd get a little bit more introspective mm. with the with the episode with their penultimate episodes. Although that does feel like a bit of a TV rhythm as well of like you have. Um, a big sort of crescendo two episodes from the end and then you have like a flashbacky character episode that fills in all the stuff that then tees you up for a finale where you can then just yeah. do the action-y things because you've just done all the character stuff. Mm. But I'm enjoying Marvel like figuring out these rhythms. I feel like they are still figuring out what these shows are as they go along in terms of they don't necessarily operate in the same way as a standard TV series they definitely don't operate in the same way as the movies do either. They are kind of finding their own rhythms within yeah. that format mm. of, of something that feels like a bit of a hybrid of both. You could feel the same with um, James Gunn on Peacemaker. You could feel, you could feel him kind of. It was interesting watching someone explore the the contours of a of a TV show. So you have your cold opens, you have your cliffhangers, but at the same time wanting to do something that that didn't conform necessarily. I think it's the same with these shows. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I would like maybe a little bit of this stuff pulled forward and a li- it, it to feel a little bit smoother and, orga- and more organic. Because I think when you watch this back, as with WandaVision, you know, it, it does suddenly screech to something of a Info dump. And go somewhere else. And info dump, yeah. And then get back to, to what you thought was the action. And, and, you know, this is all important stuff and it's really good to have it. I, I don't want to do without it in any way. Mm. This this is good, amazing, amazingly performed character work. But I wonder if there's a smoother feeling way of doing it. And maybe there isn't. And maybe this is the right way to do it. And maybe that will become clear when I sort of watch it all through with the, with the finale. But yeah, I mean, look, it's 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 fantastic, fantastic stuff, though. 
I just, I really, really loved all of it. I also loved, this explains the strange staircase in the credit sequence, which I hadn't really understood why that was there before. I, I, because there's lots of stuff in the credit sequence at the end, and I like not to bang on this again, but there are three there Oscar are three Isaac faces yep. mm-hmm. um, sort of separated from each other, which again feels like it's possibly leaning towards. I mean, I like the way that they hide stuff in these credit sequences. I feel like they've done that in other shows as well, of just little clues of things that you wouldn't know were a thing until you get to the episode and go, ah, that's a thing. How did you feel that it flowed as an episode of TV, though, as a piece of storytelling? Did you feel that it, because it, it, it constantly wrong foots you, it discombobulates you, it drags you from one place to the other, and, you know, it moves through time and memory? No, I think it works brilliantly as an episode mm. of TV, but it, within its own boundaries. Like, taken as a standalone episode, it has a really interesting journey of this character, the sort of layers peeling back and you understanding what makes him who he is. Like, taken as part of the larger narrative, you know, as we've discussed, the velocity of the show essentially just stops for an entire episode and moves forward not a jot because he is in effect dead so it is like it's an interlude it's like the flashback episode I was about to drop a major spoiler for a show that's currently on which I'm not going to do but there's you know but, but Derry Girls it's, yes that's right <laughs> the flashback introspective episode of Derry Girls was a banger but like, it's, it's one of those things isn't it where it's, it's as Ben mentioned it's the mystery 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 and then we get the episode that fills in all the blanks and it shades in all of the sort of outlines so you understand what's going on and then and only then does it set the scene for the finale where we can push forward and deal with all the plotty stuff um but it adds dimension to character but even if you take all that stuff out actually the narrative of this episode like taken as a whole is fantastic it's brilliant you're not quite sure what's real and what isn't but even if you accept all the hippo antics at face value Mm. you know it's a compelling little story of, of essentially just one guy trying to balance his life before he reaches you know judgment so can we talk about the hippo stuff for a minute always helen always leaving aside all of the flashback stuff what we have here is Tauret saying, first of all, okay, we've got to balance the scales so you can go to the field of gold and hang out with Sting. You remember um, and <laughs> Remember me. Remember me. Oh, boy. Um, and we balancing... don't talk about hippo. No, no, no. <laughs> we should release an album. <laughs> we absolutely should not. Um, Listen, if um, that thinking, what is it? Lad Baby or whatever the fuck it is can get to number one Christmas for the last four years the Empire Podcast Marvel Studios Fanfare Orchestra can do exactly the same let's do it well I great that's fantastic news Uh, I look forward to the the fat stacks of cash we'll be getting obviously we'll do it for charity yeah Chris stop why are you winking stop wink charity is important jeez anyway okay so Tarot says hello you're in the afterlife Um, I'm here to guide you through I guess it's, I haven't done this very much in the last few thousand years, so I've got some notes here that I've written down. Yeah, I love that. I'm going to steal your hearts out of your chest, weigh them against the feather of truth. That's going to decide whether you get <laughs> to, to hang out in the reeds. Um, and this is all, this is all solid. From yeah, I Egyptian mean, Tara, I didn't think was the, the one who did it, but fine. She seems lovely. I like it's her. It's fine. It's fine. Um, so they're they're trying to balance out the scales fine but also she then agrees to their request to take them back to the gates of Osiris yeah to get them back to life yeah or at least where would that take it, them into the, the main pyramids wasn't it the question he was saying we need to talk to Layla to get her to free Conchu because if they free Conchu then, then obviously Conchu it doesn't matter that he's been shot because he can be healed so I wonder whether they need to communicate with there's a lot to get done in this there's final episode lot. so they've got to free Conchu so that Mark can live 
Right. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm resurrecting it with my hand there. Mark and Liv. Okay, so they need to at least get word to Layla, if not go back, you know, in soul and body. Yeah. Is there some kind of like antechamber of the afterlife? Like if they go into the mm. Great Pyramid of Giza, can they simultaneously like free conscious? Well, they're fucked because Stephen's the geezer and he's no longer around. So. Wow. <laughs> uh, but I do think they've taken some liberties with people's remit because as we said, like Tarot is the the like a, a goddess of children and fertility. Like she's the fuck hippo. So I don't know quite why she's, she's the fuck hippo. She's the, she's <laughs> the hippo of the home. Shepherding like souls to the afterlife. That seems yeah, like it she's slumming like it a bit. Yeah, it should be like Horus or something, right? This, but, yeah. but they were this all hippo on the... fucks. <laughs> oh, no. Is that what it is? <laughs> yes. <laughs> to take it to a more serious place though, I did wonder, was that intentional if it's about, if that is the god of like children and mothers and all the stuff that... Mm. that Mark experience is it is that like this is the stuff that you need to work through that's a good point to oh. get where you're going and I am the god mm. who is in that kind of realm I was wrong about my theory last week which was that she was going to somehow empower Mark and he was going to become her avatar, <laughs> the avatar for a little bit hippos. yeah mm. uh, which would have been interesting but um yeah, I, I don't know. I guess maybe we'll we'll have it explained next week. Uh, or perhaps other gods aren't available. We've seen that, you know, there are a couple of gods at least we know of who are cast in stone at the moment, who are imprisoned in stone yeah. more accurately. So maybe the person who normally does this is, is elsewhere. Stoned. Yeah, stone on their gourd. Well, if, if Amit is now loose, which appears to be the case from what the Praise hippo Amit. sees... Don't you even? You're not even consistent with this shit, as we've discussed. When you hear the peacemakers for the special, you're going to learn that that James is completely inconsistent. My in theology is flexible. Your theology is whoever kills the most people, you're on their side. That's your I philosophy. Mean, that's a little simplistic. But... I mean, James accurate, hail though. the Terminator dire. Well, yeah. So anyway, um, but the, but it seems like back in the real world, Harrow has got Amit loose, and souls are raining down. Yeah. In a way that they so time shouldn't. is passing, like stuff is happening. Unless, of course, these are you know time is you know a big ball of timey wimey wibbly wobbly yes. stuff, and these Jeremy are the souls Barry that me, he's been sending for the past mm. few months. Yeah, that's right. Maybe Which that's true. Mm. That? Jeremy bury me, baby. Jeremy bury me. Mm. This also, is the, the bad place. It is. The hippo uses the term bake your noodle, yeah. which I liked because I mentioned that phrase on the Pilot TV podcast once and Terry looked at me blankly as if I just made up a phrase. And she Googled it and apparently, and this cannot be true, she said it originates, according to Google, it originates from the oracle in The Matrix who says, now this will really bake your noodle. It must have been used somewhere must before been, that. Must have been like but if it hasn't, I like the fact that the hippo is quoting The Matrix. She was just like, you don't bake noodles. You heat them up in kettles. Almost exactly <laughs> what she says. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, you <laughs> so you're you're doing noodles. noodles all wrong. You can do a spaghetti pie. For That's example. true. You can a pasta bake. Why would you do with that? noodles? Because it like it makes it crispy around the outside, but like soft in the crunchy on the inside, like, like armadillos. <laughs> What? Why? Why are you like this? I don't understand. Oh, I love an armadillo right now. I could really, I could really go for an armadillo. <laughs> when you know. Is there an armadillo god? That's a question. Well, they weren't in ancient Egypt, were they? Mm. Aren't they an American animal? I don't know, actually. Where do armadillos come from? Well, armadillos are aren't well, they American. Well, when a mummy armadillo and a daddy armadillo <laughs> love each other very love much. Very, very much. They call Towerette over, and uh, yeah, yeah, yes. Indeed. No, we're going to have to look up the 
mating season or yes. the mating location. Yes. Armadillos, armadillos. We're going. Fuck. We're going to have to look up whether armadillos <laughs> fuck. Oh sure my god. Heaven. No, we but like armadillos, New World placental mammals. Okay, thank you. All right, you, you. Look, so, you go to Google. I'll go to Pornhub. We'll see who gets the first <laughs> response. I'm just saying they're New World. They're from America. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So they're, they're, they 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 originate from America. That's where armadillos come Indeed. from. Indeed. So they wouldn't have been in ancient Egypt. So there wouldn't be an armadillo god in ancient Egypt. I'm so s- glad we've cleared this up. You say that, Helen, but you know. You don't know. Like, I literally do know. <laughs> I'm saying they're gods. Do you think a little bit of a, you know, trop- trip across the Atlantic is beyond them? I- I'm saying it's not. They've got sand boats. Why don't they have sea boats to get armadillos? The ancient Egyptians did have some decent boats, actually. Well, clearly this one goes on sand. Like That's right. Thing from, yeah. um, Seoul. Like a sandworm. Like yeah. the thing from Monster Hunters. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. yes. <laughs> no Graham Norton cameo this time around. <laughs> Well, we kind of ever was Graham Norton in Monster Hunters? No, he was not Monster Soul. Hunter. He was in Soul. Oh, he yeah, was a character who inexplicably guy. sounded like Graham Norton, despite mm. the fact he was clearly uh, meant to be some sort of California most dropout. Of soul out of my memory deliberately. So. Oh come on! Oh, now. Come, come on, on! Come on! Come on! I have my own Stephen Grant, and he exists solely to watch Soul for me, so that I don't have to. I'll rip your arm, Adillo, off. I'm dangerously close to making an armadillo pun, pun so let's move on. <laughs> Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, I haven't found anything on uh, armadillos in Pornhub, but I have found an armadillo. Oh, and, oh, oh, oh no. my God. Oh, God. oh no. Uh, Pornhub is obviously a website. I just uh, guessed. I just guessed what that was. You there must be but some Chris, kind of hub. Must you're logged somewhere. in. <laughs> <laughs> it says, welcome, welcome back, back. Chris. <laughs> oh, God. The usual, sir. It's like it's like cheers when Norm goes in. <laughs> anyway, <Chris. laughs> oh dear, anyway. I was really hoping to make this week's podcast listenable, uh, but oh, we mind. clearly have have gone far off the beaten path with this one. Um, what were we talking about? The hippos. I was trying to get my head around what's happening with that whole thing. What she is actually trying to do to help them. And then why they end up where they do. Is it all in his head? That's I mean, the thing. It is, but it's also not. How much of it is in his head? How important is it that Harrow is playing such an important part, as Helen mm. said earlier on? Why is Harrow, for, for, for a while in this episode, I thought, is Harrow somehow manipulating these events from outside? But then you have Tarowitz saying to Mark and Stephen, no, you're, you're dead. You're, you're, you're absolutely brown bread, full Chev Chelios. Uh, he came back, so there's no reason why they can't. Um, but for a second, I thought maybe Harrow is manipulating the fence somehow because he's still dispensing advice, which seems like pretty good advice at times. That's a very, very strange, strange manifestation, mm. I would say, of him. And when we see him in that sort of role, there is that moment early on where he, what we see is him being quite convinced by that whole setup where he says, I, I feel like a real doctor. Yeah. Which I thought was a really interesting wrinkle of like, this is just complicating the whole sort of it's in Mark slash Stephen's head, but then how does this other character have agency within that? But then is that part of the construct of trying to keep him away from what's happening? Well, I don't know. This is this was what I was trying to get my head around as well. Like, so is it the fact that that Mark and or Stephen has latched on to Harrow as someone who has his shit more together than they do, having been through maybe a similar experience? Like so is he literally the older and wiser version that they then, on some level, consciously or not, consciously, to, thank you, turn to for advice? You know, he looks like Ned Flanders. He's a he's a different version of Harrow. That was an amazing. <laughs> line. Um, but he, but he, you know, he does project warmth and care, and he, you know, he doesn't seem to be taking delight in controlling them, even when, you know, the the 
orderlies rush in and start injecting him. He's he's trying to calm everybody down and and you know keep it. I don't know, keep it sensible. So I I don't know if he's if it is not side projection. It's a very it's a very convincing one. If it's a part of Mark and Stephen's brain, it, it shows how messed up he is. That he has a certain level of admiration, I think, for the guy who's been fighting against. I had a crazy thought, Bring which it. I don't think, and then I immediately decided it was nonsense. But I'm going to say it anyway. There was a point during the episode where I thought, is Harrow the third personality? Now, it doesn't make any sense because we've seen people interact with him yeah. in the real world. But then again, what if that's not the real world? Mm. Yeah, I must admit, I that know. crossed my mind at one point. Then I instantly dismissed it as nonsense. But uh, yeah, well, also, it's, it makes sense because Arthur Harrow has actually been quite good to Stephen. Apart from trying to kill him, obviously, it's a minor thing. But but like when he talked to him, like he he seemed <laughs> to be, even if he was trying to just, just try to get the mm. scarab, he seemed to be understanding. Like he's been where Stephen is, so he's yeah. empathetic to a certain extent. He gave, gave him some nice lentil stew. That's right. And, and when Stephen was like, goats, he was like, yes. Yeah, that's right. Goat. <laughs> also, and we didn't mention this when we did episode three, but there was a goat in episode three, and at no point did he point at the goat and identify the goat, and I was disappointed. I think it's probably because he wasn't surprised by the presence of a goat in yeah. a place we would normally expect to find goats, but you wouldn't expect to find a goat in, 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 East, in London. London. In East London, yeah, yeah that's on fair. The, on, the, on the 25 goat. route, you know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unless, of course, you know, you're in a podcast room with, with James, in which case the goat is just staring right at you. Oh, I mean, there, did there you just call him the goat? I am the goat. No. Well, he called himself the goat. Oh, and no, so one of one of the pilot listeners called me the goat and I didn't know what it meant and I literally thought he meant a goat because I'd never heard the term before and I was like, thank you? But apparently it's a good thing. Yeah, it is a good thing. Do you remember yeah. that time they brought goats into the office? I and, do, and then for they, the men who stare at goats. For the men that stare at goats and then they banned any animal from yeah. coming into the office because after that. Because the goats that? ate things and they, smelled bad. They smelled very Did they bad. shit everywhere because <laughs> goats... They may also so. have had an accident. Did they? They, they I know they, were very they smelled very strong and they started nibbling things. That was, but that's me and I'm allowed in the office. <laughs> that is true. That <laughs> and is I true. shit everywhere in Francis. <laughs> yeah, we've been meaning to talk oh, to you about that. Anyway, I don't think you're the goat with respect, but, you know. Helen. Sorry. Does our friendship mean nothing to you? He is quite rough, that. though. Um, <laughs> thank you. He is yes. quite, quite gruff. I'm quite good at dealing with trolls. That's, that's hey. hey. the good stuff. Um, all right. So, once again, this is a Moonlight episode that doesn't have any Moonlight in it, apart from that brief look at his yes. origin. Yeah. And the name Moon Knight, and, which I yeah. didn't think we'd hear. Yeah. Nor did I. Be my moon knight. Be my moon knight. Yeah. Copyright TM, all rights reserved. Yeah. (laughs) But when he he propositions Mark and he says, what is it? He said, defend the, is it travellers in the night? What is it? Travellers of the night. What does that even mean? At no point does he ask for clarification. Can't you, mate? This this contract wouldn't hold up in court. What does that even fucking mean? In his defence, he is dying at the time. But you don't have to read all the contract terms to be held by a contract. Can't you track? But genuinely, I don't know what he's referring to. Like, who is he protecting and who is trying to kill them? Like, he is unclear. protecting the people, the scum of the universe. He's protecting the, the earth from the scum of the universe. the universe. That's what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. That's he's pretty much it. His head. Yeah. yeah. He does get a good suit. So He does. It, it makes sense. sense. Yeah. I love that so, suit. I could rock that suit. That was very comic book faithful. That, that, that origin. That is how yeah. he. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's it's where I thought the show was was building towards the last few weeks, um, but it was interesting to see it actually actually rendered because that that is pretty much how it happens in the comic books. Um, and we were talking last week about who his partner might be because he says my partner basically didn't want to keep these people alive, mm. and we were discussing who it might be and might might Harrow even have been there and watching it was Harrow the partner. Um, don't know why it didn't strike me, but Bushman is the guy who was 
pivotal in the killing of Mark Spector or the near killing of Mark Spector, which led to Khonshu taking him over you know, and using him as his avatar in the comic books. Uh, but I don't think we're going to see this Bushman in season one, if indeed there is a season two. I don't indeed. think we're going to yeah, see this yeah. character uh, who is basically just you know, a badass mercenary. And I don't think we're going to see uh, Duchamp, the Frenchman who is known colloquially as Frenchy. <laughs> Original. I wonder why. Mm. Maybe his third personality is the partner. See, I said that last week. I don't, but, um, yeah, I don't think it is. I'm it was shot right. down just like Mark Spector was. Well, yeah. but I mean, if it because if it is his third personality, why did he shoot himself? Well, yeah, apart from anything else, because that's and just bad form. Maybe he didn't shoot himself. But maybe it's ricochet, people, so it was ineptitude. While yeah. he was fighting back and forth, and yeah. other people shot him. Yeah. No, I, I don't think so. No, I, I, I think he because he literally names Bushman this week. So mm. I think Bushman was his partner. I think we would see, if there were a second season, or uh, give him a second season, you shits, uh, or a film, because I think it's maybe more likely we'll see him on the big screen next. You know. Where it's good and proper, James. Where we're, we're car- don't, oh, don't, don't, don't <laughs> even do go this. there. It is just. I terrible. will set you on fire. <laughs> Campaign begins here. Two seasons and a movie. <laughs> Two seasons and a movie, indeed. But uh, I think we may see Bushman. I think we may see Duchamp. We may see different characters down the line. Um, but I thought it was interesting that the sort of comic, comics accurate origin. Because I'm trying to think back to other origins we've seen in the MCU so far, and obviously, you know, broad strokes. They pretty much all nail what happened to them in in the comics, but this feels more so than most. This feels pretty much 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 spot on. Am I wrong in that? If you think about the major characters in the MCU, some of the origins actually are changed. Some of them, you know, some of them are quite faithful. Some Tony, of them are quite Tony faithful. Tony in the cave. Tony in the cave. Steve in the machine. Those are pretty faithful. And mm-hmm. um, quite early on, obviously. Yeah. Bruce has changed. Yes. Feels like a while since we've had a sort of origin story that's had a very set one version from the comics. Like, mm. obviously, mm. I don't know, Captain Marvel, there are various kind of versions and incarnations of that, and they had a different way into that in the film. Eternals, it was like, hey, we'll take some things, we'll maybe leave yeah. other things. Shang-Chi was like, hey, we're going to take the name and then remix a whole bunch of other stuff. So it's been a while since we've had a maybe a, a character introduced who has as much of a set origin as mm. this does. Yeah, I'm trying to think, for example, uh, you know, going back through the MCU recently, I can't think anyway, because they, they, they like, by and large, they like to try and avoid origin stories where they, where they can. They like, to, they like to come in, you know, in media res, they like to come in, you know, towards the middle of the story, usually. Um, Captain Marvel, we saw her origin story. That wasn't what it was in the comic books. It's going to be fascinating to see what they do with Fantastic Four. Who have one of the most baked in yeah. origin mm-hmm. stories? Yeah, yeah. Doctor Strange was not unfaithful. Not unfaithful. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, and Spidey, they just skipped very wisely. Very wisely. Yes, yes, so. they did. Uh, but speaking of the the wider MCU, we've we've said in previous episodes as well. We you know this is the show that absolutely does not really even refer or make the, even the, the 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 most glancing of nods towards. The, the wider MCU. And there was there was one little thing this week, which was the discussion of the ancestral plane, which we saw, of course, in Black Panther. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the different layers of consciousness that, that exist and that we haven't seen, we haven't even begun to scratch the surface, which is just wild because now we have the multiverse, we have the quantum realm, and now we have all these different layers of consciousness as well to, mm-hmm. to, to work through. This is all, is it, it, this needs to be 
treated, I'd say, with kid gloves <laughs> and simultaneously uh, an iron fist. Can you do that? Wow. Can you have kid gloves Ooh. in an iron oh, fist? Yes, definitely don't like... want iron fist in this. I don't think that's oh, going to we, don't want, iron no, yeah, we no. don't want iron fist. No, but yeah. this could go disastrously wrong. This is, isn't that the classic? Was it the was it Kaiser Wilhelm line? Kaiser Wilhelm. Yeah. Kaiser Wilhelm. Okay, about having an <laughs> iron fist and a velvet glove. It's very well established in history. I'm pretty certain canonically Iron Fist never wore a velvet glove. I'm just yeah. saying, you know. Okay. I've read some of those comics. Iron Fist without a capital I or a capital F. But that's just it's bad, a bad grammar, <laughs> Ellen. It's just always, always with the proper nouns. Can what I'm saying is... Can we get rid of him? Like, why do we have to have him? Like, <laughs> we'll see. There's going to be hippo along any second. Later. We can toss him overboard. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, possibly. Possibly. So, um, what was the question? I've forgotten. The question was... I just... Uh, it wasn't even a question. It was a comment. It was like, this is all... This, this could all dangerously teeter on the brink of collapse, this stuff. Yeah, well, I think we need a grand unified theory of of the Marvel Universe. And I think their answer at the moment is all of it. Yeah, um, all of it when it suits us. So <laughs> everything, multi- everywhere, all at once. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Yeah, they have multiverses. The film wrong. Yeah. They have, you know, stuff happening in, in the nine realms of space, in yeah. all the other realms of space, on this Earth, on other Earths, um, in the afterlife, in the quantum realm, in just the the weird in-betweeny place that Doctor Strange goes and plays with broken mirrors in. It's all happening, baby. Within time, outside of time. Yep. Wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. They're they're into all of it, you know. <laughs> and that, 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 I think what's impressive about what Marvel have done with this is generally, and there are some exceptions, they have found ways to explain why they're doing what they're doing just in this bit of this enormous sprawling universe. Now, it's, we're not always convinced by those answers, mm. um, but at the same time, they're at least trying to say, no, we can't call Doctor Strange for this because of He's X. busy. He's or, busy. Or, yeah, or this or, is happening in a different realm of existence. Exactly, and... or we're embarrassed and we don't want to bother him with this, <laughs> with this stuff. <laughs> or, you know, or I've gone a bit insane and yeah. taken over this town and if I face him, I'll have to admit that. You know, they they have some kind of reasoning, mostly for not, Go doing all the things everywhere, everything everywhere, all at once. Okay, interesting. Should we take some listener questions? Sure. Here's one from at Neil Parks thirteen. Uh, Stephen references Ned Flanders in this episode, and it got me wondering what the pod team thought Stephen's favorite Simpsons episode might be. <laughs> monorail, <too>. monorail, <laughs> monorail, monorail, monorail. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, he put North London on the map. Well, there is an episode <laughs> where I can't remember the setup of it. Um, Homer and Lisa have fallen out, and Lisa wants to go to an exhibition at the museum that's like an ancient Egypt exhibition. And the episode ends with them together breaking into the museum so that Lisa can find the artifact thing that she wanted to see because I think they fight and then the museum's closed or they can't go to the exhibition before it closes so they decide to break in. And I think that would be Stephen's favourite episode. What, what season was that, Ben? Let me look it up. I'll find it. I can't remember <laughs> uh, that the name would be pro- probably pretty pretty high up there. I'm going to suggest uh, El Viaje Misterioso de Nuestro Homer. Yes. Which is the mysterious uh, voyage of Homer, which is the one where... Uh, Homer has too hot a chilli and yes. trips out. The vision quest right. with Johnny Cash. Quest, yeah. He's As tripping major ball sacks. He is tripping yes. major ball sacks in that one. I think that would be high up there for Stephen. I don't know Simpsons episodes by name necessarily apart from Cape Fear, yeah. which oh. is my favourite Simpsons episode and obviously has the rakes in it. And I'd like to see that being recreated in episode six with Harrow. 
<laughs> He's already got glass rakes in his, in his shoes. shoes. Yeah. You want rakes in his face too. God. <laughs> the episode I'm thinking of is season nine, episode 24, Lost Our Lisa. Obviously outside of the golden era yes. of what seasons three to four, but I will say having watched so many of these episodes many, many times, after season eight, there are still good episodes. Yeah. It's just not wall-to-wall bangers in the way that those previous seasons were. Hey, listen, you know, now and again, I will watch a new Simpsons episode and laugh quite a bit. Yeah. And I, I have to say, rumors of his demise are greatly exaggerated, mm-hmm. um, usually by people who have not seen Simpsons in, in, a, in a long time. Still, as, as not as funny as it used to be, perhaps, but, you know, can you be as funny as the funniest thing that ever, ever did a funny? Steady. Who knows? In that episode, they are looking for the Orb of Isis at the Springsonian Museum's ex- Egyptian Treasures of Isis exhibit. That's <laughs> the exciting. Springsonian, that's adorable. <laughs> uh, here is a question from at Robinson5233. Helen just mentioned on last week's spoiler special that some people are saying things about Marvel going off in all all directions or too many directions. My question for the pod is, is there a direction you'd like to see Marvel go, uh, which they haven't done as of yet? And I'm thinking porn. But <laughs> wow. You guys wow. I was going to say horror, which I thought would be your answer. But that's well, Sorry, I meant to say <laughs> I meant to say that. To, sure. to slightly just subvert or just steer around the question, uh, towards the end of this Start episode, the question, when all coward. of the zombie sand people mm. were like getting onto the boat, yes. I was like, do you know what? I'm really enjoying specifically like the fantasy horror crossover that's happening, that, that yeah. space, yeah. Um, which we got a bit of last mm. week as well with the kind of mummy thing in the tomb. But heading into Multiverse of Madness next week, guys. Next week. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, I would say that, but they did make a couple of inaccuracies because the sand people attacked two at a time, and we all know that sand people ride single file (laughs) to hide their numbers. numbers. So, but we also know they'll soon return and in greater numbers. That's right. We know a lot about the sand people. We do. Yeah. And actually, we've seen them change their tactics in Boba Fett. So, how much do we really know about the sand people? We know not. We know very little. Uh, That's a very, very good point. So this this show ends next Wednesday, which is one day before. Uh, Multiverse of Madness comes out now we know you know we know now that Hawkeye finished one day before No Way Home came out and both of those introduced Daredevil and the Kingpin do we think that episode 6 might somehow tie into what Multiverse of Madness is doing that would be fine that would be okay there is a theory going around that this might be in a universe that's not quote-unquote ours that this isn't the MCU universe that this is a different universe and that next week Multiverse of Madness might unify it and bring it into to our world. Which is why we've not had any discussion of stuff that we know. Yeah. Mm. There's a theory going around about that. That would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, also, Multiverse of Madness got classified this week by the BBFC uh, as containing moderate horror. Moderate rock. And uh, (laughs) I wonder if this is going to go the same way. That would be like also okay. Mm. Here for the moderate horror. I mean, we've had kind of sand zombies this week. We're going to have mm. zombie strange next week. You know? Sexual swear words. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, in terms of the direction, uh, I'm I'm always a bit wary of how big the scope of the cosmic stuff in Marvel can get, because you have once you start introducing like the the the, the greater entities. Who are even more powerful than Galactus? You know your your destinies and and whatnot. It gets a little bit unwieldy for well, me. They kind of crossed that line a little bit with, with Eternals, Eternals, didn't they? Which I was a bit worried about. Me. I love Eternals, but I was a bit worried about that. But 
you know, I would love to see the cosmic realm explored a little bit more outside the purview of the of the Guardians. Mm. And I would love to see the Fantastic Four perhaps being a stepping stone to having Silver Surfer. Because if we have Silver Surfer, then the universe is open. You just want Galactus. I, you know I want Galactus. Hungers, I know you want Galactus. I hunger for Galactus. <laughs> but, you know, Silver Sur- a Silver Surfer movie would be pretty fucking amazing. It would in, be rad. If they bring in... <laughs> If they bring in Galactus, though, then they can also bring in someone who defeated Galactus canonically. Thanos! Squirrel Girl. (laughs) Also defeated Galactus. Also defeated Thanos. In fairness. True. I love Galactus. He has been defeated a lot. (laughs) It's it's not as difficult to defeat Galactus as it perhaps should be. As it really should be. Yeah, Yeah. that's true. true. Uh, All right. Brewy underscore Chris. Uh, Bing bong vibes with Stephen at the end oh Oh, no no. that makes it worse that does make it worse I did smell cotton candy at one point so (gasps) perhaps that's what it was take him to the moon for me Mark (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm crying I'm not crying you're crying we're all crying Uh, yeah good point Brewery underscore Chris regular question contributor of course Uh, she also asks what was the plan Go back to Osiris's gates to get Khonshu. Somehow get Mark's body. Mm. They were then sidetracked with the zombie people. They worked together. Stephen is lost, which balanced the scales. So now Mark can go to the afterlife and just be dead now? Yeah, well, presumably Mark's not going to put up with that. I don't think there's any danger there. But but yeah, it was a little confusing. I'm not quite clear what the what the end game, if you will, was <laughs> once they get to the gates. Um, so they have to be balanced to go back through the gates. Not clear on that either. And the idea being... Would that take them? This is my question, I guess. I was trying to fumble through earlier. Would that take him to the Great Pyramid? So either he could ask Layla to free Conchu, or don't forget, Conchu asked Layla to ask Mark to free him just before he was locked in stone. So there's a lot of delegating going on. If Mark goes through that gate, then somehow in his presumably disembodied state is able to, because it's in the Great Pyramid and normal rules and don't quite apply. Well, normal rules geezer. don't quite apply, do they? So maybe he can get in there, free Konshu, then Konshu can take his soul back to his body and his body back, presumably, to wherever he needs to be to fight Harrow. Is but that what we're looking I, at? I, I don't it, see how this gets wrapped up in one episode. I just don't. If they free Konshu, surely he can just instantly... Take Mark's body back. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. But, okay. but he doesn't have to get the bus. Con- yeah. If he frees Conchu, then the two kind of the God and the Soul, if you will, right. The God and what's left of Mark slash Stephen mm-hmm. can then zip over mm-hmm. to Mark's body. Now yes. the question which we've never quite answered is: Do we think that Mark's body then, you know, moves instantly, or then has to travel back to wherever Harrow is? So he needs to get like an easy jet flight. Yeah. Do you, do you remember we had this discussion mm. a few weeks ago about? Does when Conchu says let's go to Egypt, does he fly to Egypt or does he, he just sort of? Because he was going back to the airport at one point, wasn't exactly. it? I think he flew there. Yeah, I don't think that uh, Conchu's powers yeah. allow him to transport. Just teleport. Yes. teleport. Yeah, just I, to I turn back time two thousand years. You know, no, yeah. minor, minor things it's like just that. Just the sky. It's not mm. real. So, um, so I think that's what we do. So that's my guess. Anyway, is the soul somehow gets back through the gate somehow frees Conchu despite not being in a body because it's in the pyramid and normal rules don't apply. Then the two go back to the body, then the body has to get to wherever Harrow is, defeat Harrow. Layla presumably does something, I hope, and then, you know, we all live maybe not happily ever after. This all feels very convoluted. Maybe they should have just gone to Spectre Savers. Wow.
at Roscoe Keniston <laughs> asks, I'm curious to see what the team think leading up to the finale. And if you think any MCU show has stuck the landing. Yes. Yes. Like <laughs> basically Most all of them. of them. Well, not all of them. <laughs> I'd say all of them. Like the the Oh, come now. The the <laughs> final come the final now. episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier was not as good as the ones that immediately preceded it, but still got us where we needed to be. Like if, if bored for a few hours was oh the goal, boy. then yes. <laughs> a few hours? What were you watching? Well, not for the whole. I'm mean, taking the series as a whole. Episode, yeah. He watches them in slow motion. That's right. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> maybe really take that's it in. Why all this TV watching takes you so long? <laughs> you should try to yeah. get into- Netflix have one and a half speed. I have one that's just half speed. Yeah, and I just that's maybe wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, I think they've. I think that actually, you know, I've had some questions sometimes with like, let, let's say, the sort of fourth and fifth episodes out of six, or the seventh mm. and eighth out of nine. Um, but That's generally, the last not episode, a Borg designation. <laughs> well, seven of nine was, but anyway, uh, the Deep Space Nine stick the landing or Voyager. Yeah, well, Deep Space Nine was. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. still, I still, I'm still haven't got over that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Just what we Sorry. leave behind. I just, can't. Just, Please. It, was a, it was a lot it's, to deal with. He was with the wormhole aliens. Really upset Cisco. us now. I don't want to go away. Why you would bring that up? It's not, <gasps> it's it's not okay. It's a lot. Should anyway, so but uh, yeah, but generally the last episode has has kind of gotten things a little bit back on track. I feel like. Should we go through real quick, show by show, because there's only a few of them. One division. Did I stick the landing? Yes, uh, did for yes. me. It was fabulous. Yeah. yeah? Okay. <laughs> well, it was good. <laughs> I, had, I, I remember Captain, having notes. Captain Unequivocal. <laughs> <laughs> Only a Sith deals in absolutes. <laughs> uh, Which explains a lot. It does explain a lot. Falcon and a Winter Soldier. I, yeah, Look, the there, last was, episode wasn't the biggest It wasn't, a, yeah, absolutely. And there, were, there, were some, there was some clumsiness. Hmm. Uh, it felt to me like there was quite a bit of reshoots had gone on. But, you know, the condom that, suit fine. was not ideal. But, you know. I like the suit. Do. I stand by the suit. Just, you know. James stands know. by the suit as well, but pointing away from it so we can't see it. Yeah. Uh, then the third uh, show was Loki. 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 Which I the people who say that episode just veered off on a crazy tangent. I think it is so wrong. Mm. I think that show wraps up exactly what or, that or series not. was about. No, it <laughs> does. Case maybe because it was all about finding out who was at the end of time, and they go and meet that person and talk with him for a long time. He who explains. Yes, yeah. that's right. So mm. I I would dispute that that season did not yeah I don't think it does anything weird I, just, I was place. just frustrated not to have all of my answers because I'm Captain Entitlement and I need it mm. all now but yeah it was great it was good. what it if was good. oh uh, oh that was a good uh, final the, the episode. episode that was really yeah, yeah. action packed wouldn't know didn't watch it Okay. Well, you'll need to watch it ahead of Doctor Strange. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to try and watch at it at least a few episodes you don't have yeah. to watch all of them I was going to watch the Doctor Strange I've seen the first three of them well then you're halfway I've got to yeah I'm halfway there Ooh, ooh. Almost there. <laughs> Living on a prayer. We're almost oh there. my god! Uh, and then the most recent one was Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Am I missing one? No, I think that's I feel right. like I'm missing one. I think that's right. I think we did Star Wars in between, which is not Marvel. Okay, okay. So Hawkeye, yeah. Hawkeye for Hawkeye for me stuck the landing. Uh, I, yeah, I thought that was, was great. Perhaps the most purely entertaining of the episodes. I hope that this one also sticks the landing. Uh, John Salmon, Catch a Salmon, eighty eight. Catch a falling salmon and put it in your pocket. Why are Egyptian gods? <laughs> then you'll have some smelly jeans. Yes. <laughs> oh my God, a bear is coming and he'll eat you. <laughs> what is happening? Maybe he'll eat me with some beans. I swear, this is gold. We have to record this. Yes. It'll go triple platinum. <laughs> is it though? The Empire Podcast. <laughs> 
<laughs> Marvel Studios Fanfare <laughs> Orchestra Christmas album. <laughs> None of your favourite hits. <laughs> Featuring such hits as Oh Christ, there's those c**ts again. <laughs> but will it be spelled as Bangly Bang? <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Merry Conchmas. Anyway, come on. Catch us, Salmon 88. Why are Egyptian gods getting involved in claiming lives after death? Does this mean that Tony Stark was also judged by them as well. <laughs> yes, Tony no. is currently in a field of wheat. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it obviously, it obviously doesn't. Because, um, first of all, we specifically hear in this episode that there are many afterlives. Second of all, I think what Marvel is looking at is something not a million miles away from Terry Pratchett. Because let's be honest, most <laughs> things come back to Terry Pratchett. They do. Which is that it's whatever true. you think is going to happen to you when you die is what happens to you when you die. So there are all different sorts of afterlives and everyone essentially has their own personalised version of it. And if you believe in the Egyptian gods, then that's a uh, that's yeah. the afterlife that you get. I'd like to think that your personal hell would be stuck in this room with <laughs> us for all eternity. Helen, do you believe in life after love? <laughs> well, I can feel something inside my me saying. Steady. I don't think well. I'm strong enough. How is that? That's not even a... Never mind. <laughs> Pornhub. <laughs> Reincarnation as Baby Yoda. Reincarnation as Baby Yoda. Reincarnation as Baby Yoda. That would make a lot of sense for Stephen, wouldn't it? Reincarnation as Moff Gideon. Reincarnation as Moff Gideon. That wouldn't make a lot Why of sense. Why would you reincarnate as Moff Gideon? It's like the shittest character to choose. <laughs> Uh, reincarnation as a Lance Lee's Bagano. Reincarnation as a Lance Lee's Bagano. Reincarnation as a Lance Lee's Bagano. <laughs> Oh, God. I oh, really God. want to sell some death sticks. <laughs> that's, that's all I, I genuinely to have to go to Spectre Savers. So you we do, have don't to you? wrap this up. I thought you had to go in like 10 minutes. Uh, I've probably got up till five past. You said 20 past one. Yeah, but like it's now sort of Camden, isn't it? At Govinda one, assuming Stephen has been erased as he fell off the ship, if he still remembers him, couldn't Mark just create him again like he did when he was a child? Yeah, I feel like, I feel like this is our way forward to some degree. Like, you know, Stephen is not just a kind of metaphysical presence. He's part of Mark. Mm. And therefore, if one of them survive, then they must both survive. Um, unless he truly believes that he's been sort of killed. Yeah. So what you're saying is there a dyad in the force? <laughs> oh, Christ on a bike. Here we go. <laughs> I think it's a very different thing. But, Somehow. You know, there is a link. Stephen has returned. <laughs> that, that's what I think. That's Which what I think is I will the case. also accept. Yeah, that, is, that is essentially the case. Somehow Palpatine returned. I, I think, it, I mean, they have a certain amount of latitude to do whatever they want with this, don't they? Because on the one hand, you could see it as Stephen's quote unquote death is the reunification of the fractured parts of Mark's mind, which has made him whole. But that would be shit because we would lose Stephen. So we don't want that at all. So let's hope that they can find a way to fracture his mind again because we need Stephen and I won't accept anything else. <laughs> Except I, no substitutes. Yeah. yeah, and I think also there's there's genuine care, and I think they, I think Mark still has a use and a need for him. Mark is not a complete, no, healthy um, human yeah. being. So it would it would make sense that he would essentially resurrect Stephen. I, I'm telling you right here and now, Helen. That if he's not in the last episode, me and Chris are doing the whole one like this to you know as a tribute. I mean, you said like, that, that, tribute like it would be any worse than what yeah. you otherwise. I cannot commit to that. Okay, but well. I will live the rest of my life doing this voice. <laughs> I will commit to that. Uh, I will do it as Konshu. <laughs> Condescending all of you. Why does Harold have an English accent, by the way? 
Well, they all they all have just different voices, don't they? I love her voice. I think it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's, great. She's uh, so lovable. I do love, and maybe you've said this already, but I do love that Mark creates Stephen, not just as a way to protect himself, but also protect Stephen. But he gets, so that Stephen can live the life that Mark can never live. Mm. I thought it was absolutely beautiful. Lovely. There's a clear implication that Stephen kind of takes the place of Mark's brother that he protects yes. him, he looks yes. out for him in the way that yes. he yes. failed yes. to look out for his brother in those, in those, mm. uh, or as he sees it, in those last moments. So I think there's a, there's a real I, I, emotional I, I, connection. I like the fact that Stephen's clearly got something like a PhD in Egyptology and Mark's just forgotten all of that and doesn't have access to that information. That's uh, mm. interesting. It's compartmentalised, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, compartmentalised. But how, how will Mark feel now that he has reached the field of reeds, which of course is referenced in episode one. Yeah, it's yeah. the conversation that Stephen has with the young girl in the, in the museum. Um, uh, he's reached the field of reeds, but he's lost his. Can we call Stephen his brother now? Can we? Can we? Can we do that? Maybe he's lost. He's lost this guy that who who he means so much to him. Doesn't mean a lot uh, a lot to Konshu. He still calls him the worm and whatnot. So it'd be interesting to see if Konshu comes back next week. Mm. How he feels about the whole Mark Stephen mm. thing. We even got a tragic origin story for Later's Gators. Yeah, yes. which uh, that broke my heart. Oh. That was so sad. Yeah. It's so sad. So sad. It is so, so sad. sad. Um, Sam Levy one on Twitter uh, asks, a few people have, have mentioned this, and we, we mentioned this briefly. Uh, do we think we got a sneaky look at Jake or the third personality? Everyone's assuming the third personality is Jake. Jake Suli. Jake Suli. Do we think we could, I see you. Uh, <laughs> do you think we got a sneaky look at Jake during the episode? In the scene where Mark pulls the glass decoration on Harrow and gets injected to calm him down, it sounds like Isaac is doing a different voice and his persona feels bigger and more violent than Mark has been throughout the rest of the episode. I thought that. I thought we got little flashes here and there of just like something the, else, someone scene where else. he's smacking himself in the head, which is a gift that has been widely shared from the show's inception from the first trailer so that I, I wouldn't have put that in there because that indicates that we're moving to a different location to a different milieu you know the, the one where he's he's smacking his head that's a, that's a gif it's been available yeah. for weeks um, it was only this week that I because I, I thought it was in last week's episode for some reason but it was in this week's episode so that moment that transition where we see him in the corridor with Stephen and he starts smacking his head and then we, we cut back to Harrow do we think that might be the third personality I I mean, look, maybe. Um, certainly, if we if we had the third personality turn up next week, it might be a reason for Mark to kind of reinvigorate Stephen to deal with that almost and balance that out. So I'm not ruling it out, but I didn't think that about either of those scenes. I thought it was just Mark and indeed Stephen being driven to their absolute limits by what they learn in this episode and what they're forced to confront and relive in this episode, and you know, acting out as a result. So I, I didn't I didn't take it as as let's call him Jake at all. I've just realised we didn't actually uh, read out the um, the story of Osiris that we were talking about in last week's show. The head fucking. After the head fucking. Um, maybe we'll get to that in, in episode six. Uh, I know James has to run, so I'm going to ask one last question. Maybe you guys can carry on after this sure. and ask, uh, answer a couple more. Um, so James has to run, but I'm going to. Uh, there's a question from I Am Not Swarly. They wonder why so many Egyptian gods are missing, why Tyaret is administering the feather test when it's clearly not her purpose. Uh, and they say, I'm pretty sure we see Anubis as one of the gods imprisoned in stone in the credits sequence. Mm. Um, and she also goes on to say, it's worth noting how far this episode goes to demonstrate Mark's Jewish background, mm. specifically how he is present in not one, but two shivers. There are a lot of death rituals here. It felt very casual. It felt like well observed. Yeah. I mean, I am wildly underqualified to talk about anything on that level, but it felt like a believable part of the show that was just matter of fact. It was just there. It was just 
kind of part of who that character is and what his background is and what his family life was. I liked that they didn't, it was there, but it wasn't really drawn attention mm. to mm. in a major way. Yeah, I thought it was really well done. I mean, um, talking to uh, a Jewish friend about this this morning, she, she pointed out it's it's much more woven into the episode than like the menorah in the background in Hawkeye. It's much more present. But at the same time, it's, um, you know, it, it is organic. It's It's built in. It's not sort of some, I don't know, add-on that, that feels unnatural. It feels authentic. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Jimbo, you got to run. I do have to run. You have to run to Spectre Savers. I will see you in the Field of Reeds. How are you getting there? Ship? Uh, the, yeah, ship? Sand, sandboat. Sandboat. There's a hippo outside waiting to get me. It's very optimistic. Hi. It's very optimistic. She's there. there. She's, she's outside. There you go. It's very optimistic that you think you'll see us after your eye test. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you, Helen. Yes. My, uh, my calcified white heart is currently going up and down in some scales with a feather on the other side. While we're talking about cultural specificities, I did also appreciate in the sand fight at the end, uh, Stevens six. I prefer cricket. Yes, it was a fight. Yeah, it was fun. I did like that. That was that was fun. Uh, yeah, and the one thing I wanted to mention as well, but now Jimbo's gone. Um, one thing I, I wanted to mention earlier on was how I like how each episode of the show feels different. The locations are different, for example. And Mohammed Diab said, talked about that a little bit on the interview. Again, you can find this out on the uh, Midnight interview special we did before the first episode aired, where we talked to Oscar Isaac and Ethan Hawke and May Kalamawi, but also to Mohammed Diab. And he talked about basically approaching each two episode block as, as, a, as a movie. So first two episodes are in London with detour to maybe Switzerland or Latveria. Uh, Second two episodes, second block is obviously Egypt. And now this block of episodes is what? what? But I would say each episode has has had its own identity. Mm. Uh, even the slightly muddled third episode has a touch of the Raiders about it. It has a touch of the mummy about it in terms of they're going on an adventure. And was the Moon Knightiest Moon Knight episode? I think that was the that was the one that to me is like, oh, you get Moon Knight being Moon Knight beating the shit out of people as Moon Knight. Yeah, maybe True. more yeah. so than the other episodes. I'm still at the point where I don't. I, I'll be okay. If we don't see him. I don't know. We will see him because that's the that's that's, convention dictates. Custom also, dictates. It's, it's the only way you get you know. Mark or Stephen brought back to uh, yes, physical life. This is know. true. We will we will get to see him again. But the the. Yeah, I, I, the the vastly more interesting character is Mark and Stephen. Yeah. Imagine Marvel Studios, Stephen Grant. <laughs> well, we've been, the we, series. We've been doing this quite a lot, you know, on the podcast right from the beginning. You know, our, you know, uh, that we I think we gravitate more naturally towards the alter ego than yeah. the, than the superhero. You know, so, you know, the conversations we have, we don't necessarily say Iron Man and Cap. We say Tony and Steve, and I think that's just a way that. You know these characters are are evolving as well. I don't think of Moon Knight as Moon Knight. I think of uh, him as as Stephen first and foremost, and then then Mark. Yeah, I, th I think, but I think that's you know Marvel's great success has been to make you fall in love with the characters, not just to deliver super punching and blowing things up. Mm -hmm. If we wanted that, we'd just watch Transformers movies until boom. the end of time. So the emphasis heavily on boom. Mm. Uh, all right, just a couple of last questions. At Amar Yasser Khan asks, uh, do you feel this highlighted the benefit of this being a TV show rather than a film, this episode? I mean, yeah, I think if you're going to get that much into someone's childhood and background, maybe this does give you more time to play with. Thank God James isn't here for this question. 
Uh, you know, <laughs> you know already if you've been listening to the show what he'll say about all of this. But it, but it does give them certainly room to play with this stuff. I mean, look, you could do it on film as well, but whether you have that luxury of time to this degree is is maybe a question. It's a question of priorities. It could be done, but um, whether people would is another matter. And that chance to kind of go as dark as they did mm. here, because I I can't see that maybe at some point they would move beyond PG-13, 12A, in terms of like cinema ratings. We certainly think so for Blade, perhaps. Yeah. You know? so there are certain it is possible for Moon Knight. Things, or certain characters that would lend themselves to maybe harder-edged ratings. But considering we started the show with, um, obviously, Chris having spoken to Kevin Feige for the magazine cover, and one of the quotes from that was like, oh, this show is brutal. And I, I maybe haven't felt that so much in the fight scenes, but the, the darkness of Mark's childhood here and the way they explored that, even though it was not graphic in a visual sense, yeah. some of this, as usual, I watch this with the subtitles on and like so upsetting hearing um, Mark's little brother sort of wailing as he's being yeah. carried away. Oh, when he goes, I want, I want my mummy. I want my mummy. No, like, it was, yeah, it no, was really, really pass. kind of hard upsetting stuff and i yeah. don't think they would go to that place with this character in a film because they would that would probably push you up a rating or two just some of the emotional depths that they go to can i say as well that i think that it is actually quite uh unconventional i would say especially today in today's storytelling climate for the abusive parent to be the mum yeah, and That's she's unusual. physically abusive, not just emotionally yeah, abusive. We yeah. see a lot of emotionally abusive mothers in in cinema, but um, and it, and it also, you know, I think the dad is portrayed very sympathetically, but then didn't step in, didn't you know, didn't act to protect his son, and and so I think there's interesting questions there about um, you know obliviousness, and and obviously he's dealing mm-hmm. with grief as well. I think the way it's framed is you have an understanding of where she's coming from in terms of she is also grieving she is also devastated but you but it doesn't sympathize with her it doesn't you know it doesn't soften what she's doing it absolutely reveals the full horror of that abuse uh, and i think that was really quite well played i thought that was that could have been very very um cheaply done and i think they they handled it relatively um relatively well I think as well, just in terms of um, when we've spoken about the way that they've represented DID in this show, um, again, not massively qualified to talk about this, but my feeling on it was I was glad that they took a realistic approach to that, that it Mm. came from Mark's childhood trauma rather than he's got DID because Conchu is too much for his mind to take and that sort of fractured his brain. I, I, I liked that they took that from a real place it felt like part of the work of maybe doing this properly and and among all of the heightened genre trappings that inherently come with telling that kind of story in this kind of genre it took quite a lot of that stuff seriously it does and it and it it, it does slightly get into kind of goodwill hunting territory it has it's not your fault it's not your fault you know it, fault. It, it, it 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 does get into that but i think there is a real moment of grace there and forgiving himself essentially in, in Stephen forgiving Mark and Stephen reassuring Mark um, because Mark knows, Mark has ensured that Stephen is a good person um, and Mark to some extent maybe thinks of Stephen as as like, a, like we say the brother that he didn't fail, the brother that he did protect 
Um, so, so I but think now, once again, he hasn't protected his brother. Well, that, okay, that's true. But, but you know, I think in that moment, though, that there's a there's a sense of grace there. There's a sense of of acceptance, maybe, and a sense of maybe beginning to come to terms with some of what he's gone through and some of his guilt and some of his shame and some of his pain um, in that moment. So, um, yes, whether he can accept losing Mark again, I think is very much likely to be a no, basically. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Foul shopaholic, uh, regular question contributor, of course. It was interesting to me that Mark created the gentle and timid Stephen to cope with his mother's abuse, so he would always have fond memories of her. But the childhood bedroom scene where we see Mark turn into Stephen would seem to me that in that moment he would have wanted to be the tough one. Mark would have wanted to be the tough one who can withstand the beating. Having said that, is Stephen the braver of the two personas? He's the one running through the doors to get the scales to balance, and he's the one trying to save them from the undead souls. There, there's a real. I, I thought this was really interesting. I think this is one of the things that this this episode does brilliantly, which is, is it shows that they both have limits. There would have been a very easy tendency to make one of them the brave one who could face up to anything and, and who just steps in when needed. Whether it was Mark or whether it was Stephen, it doesn't matter. But, you know, you could have made Mark the physically brave one and Stephen the emotionally brave one. But they haven't done anything that simple. Both of them reach a breaking point here. Both of them have to step out of the reality they're in and into the doctor's office as it happens because they cannot deal with something. Both of them reach a breaking point where they cannot mm -hmm. face what's happening. And I think that's really interesting. It shows that... Neither well, it may point to a third persona for a start, mm -hmm. but even if it doesn't, it shows that neither of them is just brave. Neither of them is just complete. It's not as mm -hmm. simple as oh, you know, he he created this other persona and now everything is okay because one of them can deal with it. it. It that's not the case. Um, so it it adds a level of complexity that I th I think this show deserves some credit for. Yeah, it felt like it wasn't about bravery. It was mm. about just somebody put through something that nobody should have yeah. to deal with and their struggle with having to try and deal with that and, and less about kind of this personality can do this and this personality can do that and this one's tough and this one's not. I think it really gave you the sort of yin and yang of the, those personas of what they can bring and there is strength and bravery in, in Stephen's kind of softness as well as the opposite in Mark. Yeah. All right, last question comes from a combination of at St. Wright and Santhus24, who both effectively asked the same things, uh, which is, uh, if Conchu and Amit are both imprisoned in the same manner, why are Mark and Stephen powerless while Harrow isn't? That I is don't know. Because we've spent a while away from the other main storyline, I feel like... I am. A, I feel a bit out of the loop with that side of the story. Wait, I have an answer. Ooh. So first of all, Amit's been in prison for a long time. It's possible she's got kind of a workaround. Second of all, it's the staff. He says that his walking stick with the double-headed um, crocodile on top, he says that it contains a fraction of her power. Mm -hmm. There is no such, mm -hmm. you know, artifact as we, mm -hmm. as far as we know for Conchu. Yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that is what it is. All right. Well, that's it for the listener questions. Um, just very quickly, predictions for episode six. What do you What do you think we'll see? Reed Richards writing on the Fisto, obviously. <laughs> I really want to see Roberto Cornetto, who is the director of Tomb Buster. We saw the name when it zoomed really close in on the poster. Really <laughs> Roberto Cornetto. So is this I... part of the Cornetto trilogy? <laughs> Could be. Could I be. did. I did look up a couple of the other names I caught out, and they were just members of the Moon Knight cast. Right. But I don't know if. I'm guessing Roberto Cornetto was not. 
So that's exciting. Tomb Buster. So, so it seems like Tomb Buster is a real film that exists in the MCU. Why is it so shit? But then again, we only saw a memory of it. Yeah, it's a memory of a film he watched as a kid in the 80s. We all watched bad films at that age. Come on. Name one. Caravan of Courage. Okay, name two. <laughs> Battle, Battle for Endor. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Uh, but anyway, apart from that, what do you think is going to happen next week? So, Free Conchu. Ooh, okay. for me, for everyone, Just, Free Conchu. <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets a free conchu. Amazing. Fantastic. Um, and uh, reunite with Layla and and get his body back in, in one piece and, you know, hopefully defeat or or recondition Harrow. Recondition. You know, maybe like persuade him that it's a bad idea. You know, the way we've been trying to do with James for the last many, many years. They take Harrow shoe shopping for some very comfortable... Conchu shoes. shopping? Oh! Yeah, they get him like some memory foam in yeah, there instead some, like, of sketches broken or glass. something. A bit of arch support. Oh, four. Oh, memory foam. Oh dear. Yeah, memory foam. Bad something. memory foam. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, Repressed no. memory foam. Oh no. Well, it does when you stand on it. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> this is true. All right. Well, I don't know what's going to happen next week. I, I'm giving up on predictions. <laughs> Probably. Once. I got one right. Luke Skywalker, and that was it. Mm. Everything else I've got horribly wrong. So I think they're all going to hug. And be Aww. friends. Oh, I'd there like you that. Go. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be lovely. And then Baby Yoda shows <gasps> up. Yeah, and then gets murdered by the third no. persona, no. which no, is no, revealed no, no. as psychopathic cab driver Jake Lockley Bickle. Wow. <laughs> That's what's going to happen in next week's episode. You heard it here first and last, folks. Hippos a go-go. Uh, anyway, on that note, that is it for this week's episode of our Moon Knight Supporter Specials. Next week's the last one, folks. The last one. Very, very sad indeed but also very excited. Hopefully this one I will not be watching on a bus and then a tube and then on a sofa in a little pokey meeting room upstairs. Hopefully we'll actually watch it and then drink it in, drink it in deep and then come in and talk about it with you guys. Uh, but anyway, until then, until we meet again, until that auspicious occasion, it is goodbye from my two colleagues of such lethal conchuning. Mm, not sure. Mm. James is gone, obviously walking into a wall on his way out. <laughs> but it's goodbye from Ben Travis. Sorry, it has to be credited as Roberto Cornetto. <laughs> it is goodbye from Roberto Cornetto. Goodbye, I'm going to make a Tomb Buster too. <laughs> it's goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo, Konnichu. And it's goodbye from me. It's lunchtime, folks. I'm hungry. So I'm off to KFA, Kentucky Fried Armadillo. Mmm... That's some good eating. Once you get past the shell, yeah, really tasty. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.